Welcome to the Reinvent or Die podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to those who want to move forward, committed, laser focused, relentless, simply obsessed with taking control of your own success. So if you find yourself in the funk, that gray space where your daily motivation, passion, relationships aren't where they need to be for bringing out the best in you, then join me on a journey to unleash a new you. I'm your host and founder, Bob Rogers. Every week, I'll be engaging inspiring guests from around the world to share stories of triumph, tragedy, highs, lows, good decisions, bad decisions, peaks, valleys, achievements, failures, everything needed to enable you to believe in a new day, a new tomorrow, a new you. So let's jump in without any delay and launch a great conversation, moving forward and taking massive action. One inch, one step, one idea, just forward. Remember, legacy is everything. Leave one that makes a difference. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a new episode. Today, I have the privilege of welcoming Adam Mendler to the show. Adam, welcome. The privilege is mine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm fired up. Excited. Absolutely. Yeah, no, so am I. And you know, for the audience, I think we're going to have a, a fascinating conversation for them to, uh, to listen to and engage around. Because, you know, as I looked into a little deeper into kind of your background, and as you kind of shared with me, you know, from the outside looking in, I mean, this is the journey of a serial entrepreneur. And who out there doesn't want to work for themselves? Who's the boss? I'm the boss. And create <laughs> businesses and the diversity in your portfolio of businesses and what you do is, it's inspiring. It's, it's very impressive. Bob, that was one of my favorite shows growing up. I loved Who's the Boss. Yeah. And that was such a good question. Who was the boss? Was it yeah, exactly. Tony? Was it Angela? I think it was Mona, the grandmother. I think it I was. I think that was, but what yeah. a great question. What a great show. Yeah. And I tell you, and so for the audience, I just want to call out a few things just to kind of seed for them a little bit more into kind of your background and, and who you are. And then certainly as we have the conversation, love for you to kind of add a little more meat to the bone and kind of grow it as we uh, have our chat over the next, next 45 minutes. So calling out a few things for the audience. So Adam is the CEO of the Veloz group that he co-founded in overseas. And it is a venture a, a oversees a tremendous amount of diversity in, in different ventures across a wide variety of industries from Beverly Hills Chairs, which is a leading office furniture e-tailer to Custom Tobacco, which is a one-of-a-kind cigar customization e-commerce platform, and the Veloz Solutions, which is a technology consulting and software development practice. And another thing I'd like to call out, which is is just as impressive, is then what you do with all of that expertise and your experience and your knowledge, which is you export that into writing and engaging leaders. And I know you've created both the Lessons in Leadership series, which is Thrive Global and 30-Minute Mentors podcast. I look forward to learning more about that. I'm going to dig into that with you. And I know you've conducted over 300 one-on-one interviews with leading CEOs and founders and athletes and influencers. And I like the military generals and admirals. I love it. 
being a uh, former active and reserve military guy. So yeah, I mean, incredibly impressive. And I think as we kind of walk through your journey, kind of from front to back, I think there's so many things that you're going to be able to share that not only is going to inspire the audience, but anybody thinking of becoming again an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur can mean so many different things, but I mean, your journey is stepping out there and creating new and growing that platform and giving back and engaging. It's fantastic. So I really look forward to exploring more kind of that total journey of where you started and where you're at now. I think it's going to be great. Uh, thanks for the kind words. And if you're ever looking for something else to add to your portfolio, maybe you can come and work as my PR guy. That was, what an introduction, my guy. I love it. That was amazing. I love it. My mom couldn't do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to quiz her and see how, see how uh, <laughs> accurate she is. She probably has maybe forgotten a few things over the years with the, the list, the growing list of uh, accomplishments. That's fantastic. So, so I thought I thought a good place to start would be kind of the beginning. So whether it's, and you can kind of plug and chug where you think it makes the best sense, but I mean that kind of early childhood, kind of to the teen years, maybe the post-college, and really kind of set the stage for the audience of kind of how you became you. What were some of those, you know, those stories, those chapters, where you know certainly into your into your 20s you then started to become an entrepreneur and do all the things that you've done maybe you can kind of walk us back a little bit because i always find that to be really a fascinating element of anybody's story where did they start right sure yeah uh, always love talking about the early days because i get to think back when times were a little bit more innocent <laughs> who, had, who even had heard of the coronavirus Jeez. back then? So uh, those were the days. But in all seriousness, these are the days. I think it's all about yeah. appreciating what you have and living in the moment and enjoying life and embracing it. But um, I was very privileged to grow up in a great environment. And I'm a native of Los Angeles. I grew up in a suburb of LA called Tarzana and had a really, really tremendous upbringing. Um, grew up on a street called Velos Avenue. I later named my company the Velos Group after the street I grew up on. Hey, I love that. Yeah. That is fantastic. So if your listeners don't believe me that I really did have a great childhood. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. Uh, went to college at USC, really loved it there. An awesome four years. And I loved it so much that I got my MBA at UCLA, which is the rival school. Nice. But I love that too. I'm not quite sure how that works out with friends. <laughs> I love both schools and I'm still quite active at both of my alma maters. But after college, I moved to New York. I worked on Wall Street for a couple of years. I worked for a company called D.E. Shaw. They were the largest hedge fund in the world at the time. And after working there for about two and a half years, Came back to LA, got my MBA while I was in business school. Spent a little bit of time in the entertainment industry working for William Morris Endeavor, a big talent agency, and Universal Picture as a big studio. When I graduated, I went back into finance and worked for Credit Suisse, a large bank, for about a year and a half. Yeah. And I was 28 and felt like 
it was the right time in my life to do something different, to do something entrepreneurial. If I was ever going to take that entrepreneurial leap, it was right then and there. It was really that moment. And I did it, and I haven't looked back. It's been full speed ahead, full steam ahead. Just been charging forward. Let me ask you, yes. um, I, th I think as I kind of heard some of what you shared, or heard all of what you shared, but as I reflect on kind of my highlights in the beginning and kind of some of these blanks you filled in, your, your background is even more diverse than I believed it to be. My Lord, you are I'm, a jack. I'm more, I'm more diverse than your typical, you know, kind of, what it was it's funny because when I applied to business school, um, I think it was very easy to look at my application and say, great, white male, works on Wall Street, finance background, diverse. So I love now that people look at my background and office furniture, cigars, software consulting, speaker, podcast. It's, it's intriguing. You know. Yes. Oh, my, my passion is really baseball. So it's funny that, uh, you know, and I play backgammon, which I love. So it, but I really love people. So it's, it's just interesting that I, I think in life, we tend have a tendency to pigeonhole people and we yeah. have a tendency to make assumptions about who other people are. Oh, you're, you're a white male who works for a hedge fund. You must be this way. Right. Now, in actuality, really different. Now I'm thinking if there was a mold such as that, you 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 broke it, or I guess you you created your own <laughs> you created your own unique atom mold because my lord, yeah, I think diversity is wrapped around that whole journey. Let me ask you. So you said like around 28 is when you kind of jumped off, so to speak, into the entrepreneurial world. Can you share a little bit about, I guess, what what triggered that? What got you to you were on the corporate path for, you know several years, five, six years post, uh, you know, your undergrad, and then you woke up one morning, maybe, or you can share, <laughs> and you said, you know what, I think I'm going to be the boss, and I'm going to jump into that space and just start creating what, uh, wow, because that's, that's a leap. That's a leap, and I'll be the first one to admit, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little older than you, maybe, probably, and yeah, I, I've been, I've thought about that for years and years, and I could say I haven't had the courage to, to do certainly what you've done a while ago. And what, what was it? What was it that triggered that for you? Bob, I think I was at a point in my career uh, in which it was a lot easier for me to be courageous to do it. I felt like the longer I waited, the harder it would be for me to take that leap. I don't think that I would have had the courage to do it had I waited all that much longer. Yeah. I was 28. If I did it at age 35, I'm not sure that I would be able to do it. I probably would have been too comfortable. I wasn't at a point in my career where I had that comfort. Right. I was really at a point in my career where I was kind of trying to figure out what the next step was for me. I wasn't settled. I wasn't the boss. I wasn't... Yeah. Um, you know, look, I think that we're all kind of on this journey to figure out how we can make the greatest impact possible. If you're not on that journey, you should be on that journey. Yeah. That's the journey that each and every one of us should be on. And 
I certainly was on that journey and I felt like I wasn't making the kind of impact with my life that I thought I should be making. Maybe I was a little naive, maybe I was a little idealistic, but I wanted to really make an impact. I wanted to really do something meaningful. And building the Velos group was what I thought would be a way that I could leave a mark and a way that I thought I could really make an impact in the lives of others, lives of others. And I, I truly had no idea that the journey that I would ultimately go on would take me to where I am now. I didn't know that I would be guesting on podcasts. There were no such thing as podcasts back then. But, but I knew that it would give me the opportunity to do something more meaningful. Yeah. I felt like I knew what working in corporate America meant. And I knew that if I wanted to go back, if I, if I fell on my face, right. by the way, I have fallen on my face before, literally. I was working out one time and I did an ab exercise and I literally flipped over and <laughs> fell on my face and I thought I broke my nose again and it was not good, but I survived it. So I, I knew that if I were to fall on my face, I could always get back up and go back to corporate America or go back to working for someone else. But I felt like I had to go and try this. And when you go and do something, you've got to be all in. And I've been all in. No, that's fantastic. And, and I love that catalyst, if you will, which as you share was a desire of in the moment, okay, so I'm doing this, but you know what? <laughs> I have more I can give, more impact that I can generate and create. I kind of go out and do it on my own and you jumped. And I think that's, that's fantastic. Let me ask you, as you think about, you think about that journey you've been on, maybe can you share a little bit around, call it the early years, right? Because usually it's those first couple years that are the struggle, you know, it's, it's new territory, it's new space, it's greenfield, you're building, what am I building, where am I going? Can you share a little bit about what that was like? Because I'm sure you had some ups and some downs and maybe some good decisions and bad decisions and maybe a few in between. Trying to think of what the good decisions were. It's a lot easier to think of the bad. Um, you know, Bob, you, you actually really captured it. You captured it for me, and I think you captured what the experience is like for just about every entrepreneur. Yeah. There are ups and downs in every day. There are ups and downs in every experience, but those early years were filled with highs and lows. Mm. And I'll tell you about some of the highs. The highs were the ability to go out and do highly creative. I mean, th just think about, you're going from working for someone else, you're going from working in this large, highly bureaucratic, unbelievably structured organization where you're being told what to do almost every minute of, of your day is fully accounted for. You go from that to this, like, I mean, the shackles are off. You're in fully creative mode um, at all times. I mean, it was it was a liberating experience, like something that uh, I don't know that I've ever experienced before in my life. So in that sense, it was um, really, really exciting and powerful. We spent our first summer 
as a company in our second summer as well, um, bringing in tons of interns from all over the country. So yeah. we had all these really, really smart kids from the best schools all over the United States, literally every top college you could think of and the top schools from all over. Yeah, I was, you know, on the phone with one, you know, former high school valedictorian after another. These kids had SAT scores that I didn't even know the SAT went up that high. Um, you know, like, is it possible to have a GPA that high? Is that even viable? And, uh, but no, these were literally the best and brightest and they were coming into our company and interning for us and having them work on all these fun and exciting projects with us was yeah. just a really cool time for us. And that was the positive. The negative was we weren't making any money. We were kind of a problem, right? <laughs> on, the, on the contrary, on the contrary, we were losing money. We were burning through our savings. Yeah. We were, we, we, we did something that I have learned a lot from and that I tell every entrepreneur not to do. But what we did was we had all these ideas and we were pushing on all of them at once. And that was a huge mistake. So if you want to talk about mistakes and lessons learned, yeah. that's as big a mistake as any. We started the Velos Group with this idealistic view that we could create all these different businesses out of ideas that we had. And, and we, we tried doing it. And after a year and a half of pushing on this, and again, it was a year and a half of highly creative, engaged, exciting times, but it was a year and a half of burning through our savings. So a year and a half later, we sort of had this come to Jesus moment. And, um, you know, I'm Jewish, I'm, I'm not Christian, but it was a come yeah. to Jesus moment. <laughs> and, and we came to Jesus and we, we realized that we, we had to focus. We had to pick the business ideas that were closest to monetization because without money coming in, we're not going to be around. Without money right. coming in, we're going to have to go back to getting jobs. So that really forced us to become, you know, real business people, not just idealistic entrepreneurs. Let me ask you, you know, so you guys, was it you and a friend, a brother? My brother is my brother. That is yeah, fantastic. My, my, yeah. Yeah. My brother, he's uh, two years younger than me and we're very different. And um, he has a very, very strong technology background. So yeah. he left his career as a software developer and um, we joined forces and Started with all I think that is, I think that's fantastic. Let me ask you two things I want to probe a little digger on, uh, dig a little deeper on, which is you mentioned you were out there recruiting from the top schools. I'm really curious from a, I guess I'll use the words talent acquisition perspective. If you were a new business, new startup, how are you able to go out there, engage great schools, get after top students when, you know, you couldn't hold up, you know, we're the Amazon of the day. Obviously, Amazon yeah. most likely probably wasn't around then, but how were you able to attract those when maybe, and I'm assuming here, you didn't have a whole lot to show back to yeah. you guys were taking, taking ideas and creating you know, business yeah. opportunities and value. What was the attraction for them to join the Velos group? Bob, that's, that's a tremendous question. And, and um, 
it's a topic that I love talking about because, you know, in the early days, that was probably what I was proudest of was our ability to um, attract and recruit yeah. such incredibly talented students. And depending on how much time you want to spend on this topic, we can go really deep. But the best advice that I give when I talk about it is you want to try to create the kind of culture and you want to try to create the kind of company that will resonate with the people you're trying to attract. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we had one huge advantage that, you know, all these other companies didn't have. What was that? So Amazon was around, Google was around, Apple, Facebook, all these guys were around. We had one big advantage that they didn't have. Um, and, And that was us. We were not that far removed from being in the shoes of the students we were trying to attract. So we knew who they were. We knew how they thought. We understood how they thought. So what we did was we created internship programs that would resonate with the kinds of interns that we wanted to attract. Because not all that long ago, those kinds of interns were us. That is, no, that, I think that's fantastic. And let me ask you, you know, you mentioned the culture piece and you're right. I mean, I think if you ask 10 people, you probably get 20 different answers. Um, but on the culture, I think success in any organization, any team, the size doesn't matter is the culture piece, right? It's the values. It's what forms the heartbeat of that team, that organization, that business. And it's why you get up and go to work and engage and, and drive every day, right? I'm curious, I mean, can you share, I mean, what were some of the, were the seeds of the culture that, you know, I think attracted, attracted those, those young new graduates looking to get after it in a new, new business, new world, new chapter in their lives? What were some of those culture elements that you guys were sharing and articulating to them? Really good question. And there are two ways of looking at it. Yeah. There's the surface level cultural uh, pieces, and then there's what really matters. And I think that on the surface, you know, a lot of companies will say that to attract top talent, you need to have ping pong tables and pool tables and beer on tap and kombucha and masseuses and yoga and, and all that stuff is great. I yeah, mean, I'm not opposed I, to any of those. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I love yoga and yeah. I'll for a good massage. And, <laughs> Now we you know, can't touch anyone until this uh, social distancing. A little different world. world. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, we, what we did was we uh, incorporated some of those types of things. So we had arcade machines and we had a cool looking office and we wore shorts every day. There was no dress code. It was, you know, a very relaxed environment. So, so yes, we did, in some sense, um, offer students the surface level gotcha. benefits that those kinds of companies offer, but we couldn't match Google or right. Facebook or Amazon right. resource for resource. It was impossible. We didn't have masseuses. We didn't have beer on tap. I mean, all these guys were under 21, so we couldn't give them beer. Um, we couldn't even give them free food because we're a startup company with no money. Um, 
What we really offered though, yeah. was we offered them the ability to come in and get a real world hands-on experience where you could learn, where you could grow, where you could gain exposure to the kinds of things that will help you develop and walk away from the experience better positioned to excel and thrive in your career. And the kids who interned for us have gone on to do unbelievably successful things. Really? If you look at our alumni network, we have, and I'm so proud of this. This is something that yeah. gets me fired up when I go on LinkedIn and I get a notification and it says, so-and-so was just accepted to Wharton Business School. So-and-so was just hired by McKinsey. So-and-so was just accepted yeah. to Harvard Law School, you know, and I'll have uh, an intern who will, a uh, former intern who will email me and say, hey, Adam, I'm, you know, applying to this internship. Can you, can I use you as a reference? And I'm like, absolutely. Are you kidding me? And, and where are you applying? And they tell me, I'm like, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Like anything I can do. And it's, so to me, to watch the success of the kids who we've hired, and I don't want to take credit for it because a lot of it is the fact that we were obviously able to bring on such right. top talent anyway. But I, but I have heard um, directly from so many of these students who we've hired over the years who come back to me and have said, you know, that experience interning for the Lowe's group was so unique and it just gave me the ability to learn, to grow, to gain exposure. And, and by the way, interning at a startup, working at a startup is not for everyone. It's not for right. most people. But, uh, you know, because we are talking about internships, one of my biggest lessons when it comes to internships, I didn't think we'd be talking about this today, but because we are, one of my biggest lessons for anyone thinking about internships, whether, I don't know if your audience consists of people who are thinking of internships, I think people right. have probably passed that, but perhaps they have kids who, who might be thinking about internships or perhaps they're thinking about hiring interns themselves. One of the things that I've personally found most valuable about interning in my own career is that it gave me a window into what I didn't want to do with my ah, yeah. And I've had so many interns who I know intern for us and because of their internship with us said, you know what, I, I, this isn't for me. Um, you guys are, you guys are fun guys. You guys are great guys. This is a fun experience, but I, this isn't for me. I want something more structured. I want something more corporate. I want, you know, more direction. I want, and you know what? I, I'm, I'm grateful for my experiences that gave me windows into, um, seeing opportunities that, I thought might have been more appealing for me with my career and yeah. and hopefully anyone in any industry can um, you know have that same opportunity through an internship whether they're interning or whether they're affording internships um, to other people. I tell you I was going to later on in our conversation ask, ask a a legacy kind of question but I'll just pull it up and I'll answer it for you which is I think how you just described that the whole internship perspective and the kind of philosophy and the value you can get out of that 
it's absolute gold. And I'm quite sure there's listeners out there again, whether it's those who are, you know, have a potential to become an intern themselves, or like you said, somebody with kids thinking about it, the, the picture you drew on the window into, it gives that individual an opportunity to figure out, you know, a really kind of who they are, what they want to become, their likes, their likes, their dislikes, and you can experiment in that environment that then sets them up, you know, early on in their career to really begin to be more, you know, specific and kind of narrow their focus into something potentially, maybe, that's very broad to, no, you know what, I've been given the opportunity for the last whatever, six months, years, to experiment in and get into so many different facets of business. Hey, I think I really, really like this piece, marketing or whatever it might be, right? Sure. And I think, yeah, the stories you shared around those who started with you guys and kind of their journey and, and where they're at now, I think if you have a hat and you put feathers in it, I would put one in there if I were you because, I mean, you, yeah, you set these, I'll say kids, I mean, they're not kids now, you set them up for success. I mean, you help them launch a new world for themselves and really begin to lay out kind of who they'll become over their careers. I think that's fantastic. I love that. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, I use the word kid loosely. And, yeah. You know, everything's relative, right? It, it, it is. Let me, let me ask you one last thing on kind of the whole spirit of that whole topic. And again, we could, I could talk for hours just on that piece, but I'm really curious when I reflect and think about the diversity of the companies you have today, and, and I'm assuming maybe it's evolved where maybe when you started out years and years ago, maybe the three primary businesses you have now maybe weren't the ones you started with, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but I'm curious. And if it is great, but how did you, how did you brainstorm or create or have a passion for, you know, between you and your brother, Hey, these are the three ideas, the businesses I want to get into. What do you think? Yeah, you know what? That sounds pretty good. And so those first couple businesses you then started on, what, what created, what came to the surface for you where you knew, hey, it's, it's this business or it's these two? What was that? Good question, Bob. And I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Yeah. I wish that um, I had a better answer for you. I wish my answer was that um, I had some sort of divine intervention or <laughs> that I had some sort of, you know, brilliant um, you know, business plan where we right. thoroughly researched the market and figured this out and figured that out. And based on the market needs and demands and yada, yada. No, in actuality, what happened was we were pushing on all of our ideas and we had our backs up against the wall. Yeah. We, were at the stage of our company where we had no choice. We needed to pick the businesses that were closest to monetization. Gotcha. And gotcha. the two businesses that were closest to monetization were our office furniture business and our cigar business. And those were the two that we picked for that reason. Um, the, the cigar business has turned into a nice business. It sort of, you know, has a really, really, devoted and dedicated customer base, but it's really the furniture company that's become our primary business. And, um, you know, that's, that's really been the one that we've been growing and expanding and building. 
the software development company was an offshoot of the first two. So that one came after we had been running the two e-commerce businesses for a while. We saw a need in the market for really, really good software developers who could come in and help small to middle market organizations yeah. cost effectively. And we identified a need in the market that we thought we could come in and solve. And that was what compelled us to start that third. Gotcha. No, that's fantastic. I, I, I love that story. Let me ask you, kind of slide into a, a different question, but it kind of kind of brings together a couple things out of uh, what you just shared. So thinking about the diversity of, again, those three businesses and how they play out and how much you guys have to, you know, engage daily and strategy to execution and just everything that comes with, with leading businesses. And I will say, and I, and I want to go to next kind of your, your lessons in leadership. How, how do you balance, how do you balance being the CEO of the Fellows Group, these three you know, distinctly different businesses, although tied together, you said, with some technology and just kind of themes of themes of focus. But how do you balance all that? What is your what is a day in 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 the life of of you, Adam, look like? How do you balance it? Absolutely. Sounds crazy. No, it's a, it's a really good question, and I think that everyone is trying to. Um, come up with the perfect answer to that question. Right. I know that yeah. on my podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, I ask a variation of that question to a lot of guests. Not, not phrased in that same way, but yeah. I think that that's sort of uh, the entrepreneur's version of what is the meaning of life. You know? So I don't know that balance is possible. Uh, I, I think that what we're trying to do is we're trying to find the best version of balance we can find. So my way of finding balance is what I try to do is I try to make sure that I'm as engaged and focused as possible at all times on whatever it is that is on my plate. So when I'm committed to projects related to my office furniture company, I try to be as engaged as possible then. So, you know, when I'm um, interacting with my team that's driving the office furniture business, I'm engaged there. When I'm working on my podcast, I'm engaged on that. When I'm writing, I'm fully focused and dedicated to my writing. When I'm giving a talk to a big audience, my mind is 100% there. So I, I don't think that there's I haven't found a, you know, perfect formula. I don't know that there's an algorithm to it. I think it's something that we just try to do well every day. The couple of tips and tricks that that I've yeah, discovered that I don't think are magic. I think they're they're just sort of best practices that most of us already know, but are important for us to follow. Yeah. Get a good night's sleep. I can tell you that. On the days that I don't sleep well, I'm not nearly as productive. Yeah. Work out on the days that I don't work out, even if it's a day that I'm resting because I've worked out the last three days and my body's sore and I have a scheduled rest day. Yeah. I'm not as productive. 
uh, I think it's important to eat well. Nutrition plays a big part of how you feel. How you feel plays a big part of how you operate and how productive you are. Um, I think it's important to have hobbies. It's important to, you know, not have your mind 100% of the time engaged yeah. in work. So in my case, you know, I love sports. I love baseball. Uh, I love my family. I, I love hanging out with my niece and nephew. Um, although my niece loves hanging out in the office, so that can be a bit of a distraction. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, I think it's, it's important to, um, in addition to going as hard as you can yeah. at work, find enough time and um, really immerse yourself in things that bring you joy outside of work. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing kind of those tips and um, obviously you sharing it and the audience kind of reflecting on me, reflecting on, again, what it is you do and what you're trying to juggle. There is something to bottling up the best of the sleep and the working out and the nutrition and the hobbies because clearly it works. It works. It's working for you. And I can tell you there's elements of those four I am more successful in and probably struggling in a few others. I won't name them, but uh, yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. Bob, Bob, just to, just to your point, I think that everyone finds different ways to find balance. Yeah. And I, I love going to baseball games. I love watching baseball games. Um, I recently did an interview with um, the play-by-play -play announcer for the angels. The episode hasn't, release yet on my podcast depending on when this episode is going to go up yeah i'm not sure but but um you know i one of the things we joked about was i said uh his name is victor rojas and i said victor i don't i don't know if i've hit the ten thousand hour mark yet of listening to games that you've called but it's pretty close because i to me that's a form of therapy even though the angels break my heart anytime i watch them it's still therapeutic. I love it. So, you know, not everyone is going to find that same sense of yeah. joy and solace in baseball, but whatever it is to you, make sure that you don't ignore it. Absolutely. I, I love the, love the spirit of that. Yeah. You definitely have to be able to unplug and yeah, everybody's passions are different. I'll have to admit my friend baseball wouldn't be the thing I plug into. Sorry. <laughs> It wouldn't be the What's thing you, I plug what is, into. What, what do you, Bob, what do you do to unlock? Uh, yeah, to kind of unplug, it definitely is the the working out piece. Whether it's yeah. running, working out, allows me just to kind of forget about the yeah. day for a period of time and put the day behind and just kind of get into a zone, get into a better place where you're sweating, you're grinding. And yeah. for me, for me, I mean, it absolutely makes a difference. I can go into a workout feeling stressed, feeling it. I can see it. I can sense it and get into, again, whether it's hopping on the bike or, you know, running three, four times a week or weights within, I swear, within five or 10 minutes, it's gone. That, that yeah. tension that you can just feel is tangible. You can almost like cut it through the air at times. It literally is gone. And I think, yeah, in, you know, exercise, different, different formats, walking, running this, that, yeah, to me, it's sure all have different, you know, purposes to them, but
but I think just getting the physical activity in walking, walking around the neighborhood for those that do it, it can be absolutely just as effective, but you got to get the body moving. I think too often, and I'm, I'm guilty of it, you know, my day to day is there's a tremendous amount of sitting down, whether it's in a conference room, at a desk, just, you know, engage in meetings, but it's, it's sitting down. It's not physical, right? And so yeah. that for me just it is one of the best unplugged opportunities. And, and then I love watching football. So I, Bob, I, I, from the time I was in college yeah. until uh, coronavirus hit, because now I don't have access to weights, I've always found lifting weights to be very therapeutic. Yeah. And um, I, I would always, my workout just was always lifting weights. And then yeah. a few years ago, I was in my early 30s and I started getting into yoga. So I added that into my routine and yoga is incredibly therapeutic. And is it really? I started, I've oh, it's great. Yoga is, yeah. yoga is tremendous. I highly recommend it. Um, this is coming from a guy who, you know, I played high school baseball and I couldn't touch my knees in high school, you know? And, um, so I don't even know if I could touch my waist. So, I mean, I love yoga. I'm, I'm a huge advocate of it. And I'm by no means the world's greatest yogi. On the contrary, right. uh, I'll tell you a funny story. I was in a yoga class one time and I'm a very visual person. So when I go into yoga class, I look around me and I, I always fixate myself on someone in the class, not because I'm staring at them. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, okay. I'm staring at them. I'm staring at them because I'm general. I'm usually, I don't feel comfortable in my knowledge that I necessarily know what I'm doing. Right. And I'm a visual learner. Everyone learns differently. So I, I need to kind of watch what someone's doing. So I tend to fixate on someone and try to copy them and mimic them and, and, you know, sort of do what they're doing. So because I do that, uh, I'm sensitive when other people are doing that. And I noticed one time this girl um, in one of my yoga classes was doing that to me. And she was watching me do yoga. She was kind of using me as the model to, and I was just thinking, I don't know, I was going to throw an F-bomb, but I don't know what, uh, but I was going to say, oh man, like she is so screwed. Yeah. She's, you may want to watch somebody else. Yeah. Like, like, oh no, like you're, you're in bad shape. Like kind of wanted to tell her like, you know. that's fantastic. I love it. Let me, um, and like the last 10 minutes or so we have, let me shift into, and as I shared earlier on when we started off, I'm fascinated, certainly fascinated by your whole business, uh, you know, adventures, but kind of exporting, if you will, all of the lessons in, yeah, leadership and knowledge and everything you learned on the business side. I'm fascinated about your lessons in leadership series. And I know there's two of them, Thrive Global, and I think you mentioned a few minutes ago, the 30-Minute Mentors Podcast. Can you give, give the audience a little bit of insight into what are those and, you know, what, what kind of, how did you get into those and kind of who the audience is? I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, Bob, thank you for the question. So I started the interview series in Thrive Global several years ago. And I started interviewing really successful CEOs, founders, celebrities, athletes. Then I started interviewing military leaders, interviewed some social media influencers who are really successful people in their crafts on 
you know, how they got to the top and their best advice for readers on how they can get to the top. And what I really liked about the uh, Thrive Global interview series was that it gave me the ability to give readers um, kind of a quick, very easy to digest, yeah. um, call it a thousand to two thousand word, um, you know, articles from really, really successful people on who these people are and on how you can be better and more successful. Oh man! And after doing that for a couple of years, you know, it actually was fairly early on in the process that I said. I've got to turn this into a podcast. Like this is, it's cool doing this in Thrive Global. I, I like right. the platform. I like the fact that it's kind of, you know, uh, easy to do and it's quick and this and that. But I, I really wanted to go deeper, and I really, you know, I understand that the, you know, you kind of have to go where the audience is, and right, you know, people consume content now. Uh, look, we were talking about, I'm a visual learner, right? So learn things, yeah. you know, and, and if I want to learn something, um, I'm not necessarily the guy who's going to pick up a 300 page book and read it. Uh, I'm much more inclined to call someone up in my Rolodex and ask them, you know, who do I know that can teach me this? Who do, who do I know that I can ask right. a few questions to and can explain this to me? Um, so I, I understand that at the end of the day, a podcast is much better for this kind of content. I was talking about doing it for a while and I finally just said to myself, you know what? I don't care how busy I am. You know, you talked at the beginning of the show about the challenge of having a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I set a deadline for myself and I said, you know what? January, 2020, I am going to have this show up. So I, I launched it. I started doing interviews uh, in November of uh, 2019 and yeah. Uh, I launched the show at the end of January, and um, every week, 30-minute mentors, I have a different, um, and this is sort of like next-level lessons in leadership because it's right. the best of the best. It's founders, CEOs, former CEOs of household name companies. So, you know, the founder of Kayak, the CEO of Deloitte Consulting the former CEO of Campbell Soup, the founder of FanDuel, um, the CEO of Gold's Gym. Now, these are people who have been on the show so far. Um, I've had- How do you- how Rob do you, Lowe was on it. Suzanne Summers was on it. I've had Admiral Jim Stavridis, former, I mean, you know Jim Stavridis, you're a military guy. Yeah. Um, for your listeners who don't know, retired four-star Admiral was the Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. This upcoming week, uh, this upcoming episode, is with a retired three-star general. So, you know, the idea really is to try to give listeners yeah, I love it. 30 minutes with the most successful people. And my job is to make those 30 minutes as valuable as possible. Let me ask you, and I don't want you to uh, <clears throat> reveal your secret formula, but, <laughs> but, but I, I'm, I'm dying to know, I mean, how, how do you get access to kind of the, the levels of, of leadership in the talent and level of professionals that you kind of gave a kind of quick list and highlights of kind of who you've had on your show. And again, I don't want you to give away your secret formula, but how do you, I think it's fantastic. I mean, the, the level of expertise with all, I mean, if you add up all of the years of experience that goes with all of those, you know, senior leaders that you, 
you rattled off. I mean, you very quickly get into hundreds and hundreds and then thousands of years of experience because of how long they've been in the game in the trenches, right? I, so I, I answer that question in a couple of different ways. Yeah. Um, the first way I, I answer it is very similar to how I answered your previous question yeah. about how we were able to attract the best students in the country back when we were building a company that no one had ever heard of because we had just started it. It was a brand new company. So how do you beat Google and Amazon and Goldman yeah. Sachs and recruiting top talent when no one's ever heard of you? You do it by creating the kind of platform that people want to be a part of. So the Velos group, early on, my vision was I want to create a place that people want to be a part of. Uh, we did that. And I had a very similar vision with 30-Minute Mentors. I wanted to create, and, and still do, I mean, my goal is to create something that people want to be a part of, that people are excited to be a part of. And That's fantastic. the guests who I have on really love being a part of what we're doing. You know, um, what, what I love really is that at the end of the day, the guests who I have on are fired up about the mission of 30 Minute Mentors. They're fired up about what we're trying to do with the concept, with the content, empowering listeners, empowering people to be their best selves personally and professionally. So I think that if you can create something that people believe in, you're gonna be able to have a much easier time getting buy-in. Um, Obviously, you have to believe in it. You have to be really passionate yeah, about it. Absolutely. And when you are, I think that that's contagious. Yeah, that is gold. I um, that that's incredible advice. And and yeah, at the end of the day, I think kind of as as that resonates with me, it, you know, it isn't yeah who you know. It's listen. If this this idea, you know, its intent, the focus around it is about, to your point, you know, creating value and giving back and developing and empowering people. I mean, the message that flows with that, who, who wouldn't want to be a part of having, you know, a voice, a hand in on being able to shape and even plant a seed in one person who listens to that 30 minute conversation that makes a difference in their life, personally, professionally, who, would, who wouldn't want to be a part of that, right? And, and you're right. you know, Bob, to your point, to your point, you know, I am, am um, you know, nowhere near as successful as anyone who I bring onto my show. I'm, you know, we all aspire to reach that level of success. Right. But anytime anyone reaches out to me and asks me to talk about a topic that is meaningful to me, yeah. You know, if someone reaches out to me and says, uh, Adam are you open to talking to my students about leadership or about entrepreneurship? Um, are you open to talking to my listeners about how to become a better leader, about right. how to lead in today's landscape, about lessons learned? I'm going to say yes a hundred times out of a hundred. That's fantastic. I don't care who asks me. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, at the end of the day, <laughs> If you're serving, serving others, one person, two people, 10 people, doesn't matter how many people, 
you know, it, it comes back, right? It comes back tenfold, hundredfold. I think that's fantastic. Let me ask you two, two last things <clears throat> I want to kind of go down is, so your, your writings, you know, I know, you know, you write articles for Forbes, Huffington Post, and I think the writing side of, again, having a voice in, in bringing that voice forward and making a difference, I think is, is fascinating as well. What, what's the writing experience like where, again, you're writing articles for these different, you know, uh, magazines and companies and how does, how does that work for you? That's, that, that's, that's intriguing. I love yeah. That. Um, it, it's definitely different than what I thought I would be doing yeah. at, at this phase of my life, this phase of my career. Uh, I hadn't really written much since my days as a college student yeah. and I really stumbled into it. I started writing articles almost on a whim. You know, when you're, an entrepreneur, you're willing to try anything to advance your businesses. And I thought that by writing articles for these different publications, I would be able to help gain more exposure for my businesses, yeah. which would help me build my businesses up and would be to the benefit of Beverly Hills Chairs and Custom Tobacco and Bella right. Solutions. That was what, what really drove my um, interest in writing these articles. And something funny happened along the way, which was I discovered two things. Number one was I discovered a real passion for it. I discovered that I really loved doing it. And number two was I discovered that I was good at it. And when those two things happen, yeah. you want to just keep doing it. When you find something that you really enjoy doing and are also good at it, you just keep going. So uh, it's been a few years now and yeah. I've written quite a bit. And um, it, I think it just sort of is connected to a broader lesson, which is you never know where life is going to take you. You never know where business is going to take you. You never know what the next opportunity is. It's important to be open-minded. It's important to be flexible. It's important to not shut your mind off to whatever the possibilities may be, because if you keep if you can keep an open mind, yeah. you never know what that next big opportunity might be. No, I love that. Let me ask you real quick one kind of last follow up question. There have you have you had the experience where you know somebody read one of those articles and reached back out to you and said, "Hey, you know what, Adam, I read article you know X Y Z." wow, I loved it. You know, there was something in there that for me really triggered something different, something next. You had anybody had the opportunity to reach out and kind of tell you what they think of, again, a message, an article that really meant something to them? Interestingly enough, Bob, um, I never get emails saying, I read your article. Yeah. I'm going to buy chairs from you. I read your article. I'm going <laughs> to buy cigars. I don't think that's ever happened. So my intent for writing these articles right. was a complete airball. But, but yes, I do get those emails. No, it's great. They're incredibly rewarding and fulfilling. Let me ask you one last question. So is if you need more mountains to climb, <laughs> you need more mountains to climb, 
So what's out Last there? time I went hiking, I skinned my knee, so I don't know about that. <laughs> what's, uh, what's down the road around the corner? You know, I know you continue to expand and look for other opportunities, building the business portfolio and, you know, all of the leadership engagements and things you're doing in that space. I mean, it's, it, it's fantastic. And I think the way in which you give back and I think can really kind of plant some seeds and really help others lead, engage and so many other things. But I'm sure you have a couple big things that are next and not to, uh, again, give away any, any, <laughs> any, you know, big news before you're ready. But I'm curious, I mean, what's, what's the next mountain you're going to climb, if you can share? Yeah, I, Bob, I think when I'm ready to climb it, maybe I'll come back on your show and we can talk about it. I love it. No, I love it. That'd be fantastic. We will keep that one for the next episode. So let me ask you, so how, um, how can, can my audience kind of, you know, reach you, find you, learn, um, learn more about you? I try to make it really easy. It's just my name. So you can go to adammendler.com. Yeah. You can find me on social media at Adam Mendler. So that's at Adam Mendler on Instagram, at Adam Mendler on Twitter. You can find my podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, at 30 Minute Mentors, all spelled out, .com www.30minutementors.com. You can also find it on your favorite podcasting app, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you, you name it, Google Play. That's and um, I hope you enjoy and don't hesitate to connect. Yeah, so I, I really appreciate your time today. And again, I know you're a busy, busy guy and somehow you juggle it. Somehow you, <laughs> somehow you juggle it, you make it happen and you're looking for more mountains to climb all at the same time, which is, I think testimony to how you manage manage your day and just keep it all going, which is which is great. Bob, uh, kind of to your to your earlier point. Yeah. When you're doing something that you're passionate about, when you're engaged in things that you're passionate about, you're always excited. You're always excited about climbing. You're always excited about charging forward. Well, that's a great, great way to end it. So hey, I wish you all, you know, continued success and all of your endeavors and being a baseball guy, keep <laughs> swinging, keep swinging for the fence. Thanks. Adam. Hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll have better uh, contact than I did when I was in high school. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Time for a batting cage then. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you, Bob. This was great. And for my listeners, remember no retreat, no surrender. Go forward each and every day, striving to become the best version of you. The world is yours. Go take it.